Hey everyone, welcome to episode 59 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Bradley Youngren, the Chief Medical Officer of 98.6. Let's not waste any time, let's bring Bradley on. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How about yourself? Doing well. Another day. <laughs> Just it's, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. I'm, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. I, I'd love if you could kick things off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, and then we'll dive into 98.6. Great. Thanks for the opportunity. So my name is Brad Younger and I'm the Chief Medical Officer at 98.6. I've been Chief Medical Officer there since 2017. Uh, my background is emergency medicine. Uh, practiced in my early years uh, in the military after going to the military medical school, primarily focused around pandemic response, global and humanitarian medicine. So some of those experiences are certainly relevant in, in COVID now. Um, during my years in the military, sort of got involved in technology procurement on the battlefield, saw how technology scaled and saved lives. I sort of redirected my focus of my career um, and I immediately sort of went into technology associated uh, medical companies um, when I got out of the military. Um, spent a number of years as the chief medical officer at a company called Mobisante, which was the first FDA approved mobile phone device in the country. 2012-ish range. Uh, we had an ultrasound on a, on a Windows phone. Um, did some time in the global health space. Then I went to uh, a company uh, called Q Health, which is in San Diego and working on uh, over-the-counter uh, OTC testing for at-home testing for uh, a variety of things to include influenza. So that's, and then I came to 90.6 in 2017, primarily motivated by uh, the, the team that the CEO was putting together and just, again, that scalability of, of seeing the opportunity to, instead of building hardware solutions, to to build a, a one, a medical group, but also a, a software solution that really could scale to um, the entire world. Um, and we'll get into and make some more on that contextually in a few minutes. Perfect. Could Could you tell us more about, I guess, you gave us that, that quick overview. Tell us more about how the platform works um, and, and kind of what specialties, uh, what services, I guess, a user or patient can can engage with. Sure, yeah. So 98.6 is uh, providing virtual primary care across all 51 jurisdictions, including D.C., 24-7, um, delivering adult care and in uh, in the employer and health plan space, we have to deliver pediatric care ages one and up. Um, we are a text first, uh, or I should say text forward platform. So we drive the vast majority of our interactions um, through text, although we certainly have video and audio capabilities in the app. Um, we're primarily an app based experience. So patients are engaging with us uh, through the 98.6 app. Um, and that allows a lot of flexibility. Obviously, if you start thinking about uh, patients uh, and their capacity to engage in healthcare um, allows patients to engage 90.6 in non-traditional settings, and that helps us improve engagement and uh, participation in, in not only sickness care, but in wellness care. Um, underpinning the 
underpinning this care delivery system we've built is a, a vast level of experience and expertise uh, in data science. Uh, we have essentially built our own uh, AI-based you know, neural network, which is involved not only in the, the patient-facing side, which you can see on the website demo, uh, but is also involved in many of the activities that the physicians do uh, in the practice of medicine. What, how did things look before COVID happened versus how they look today? How did that, I mean, many of the telehealth companies that we talk with, it really accelerated things. They all believed they were gonna to get to this point, but not necessarily as fast as we just did because of the pandemic. Yeah, I think and we were no different than that. Uh, we certainly saw um, you know, a large increase in our uh, sort of employer contracts and health plans who were looking to really accelerate the speed at which they brought on virtual care uh, or, or ones that were interested in replacing traditional telehealth for a virtual care option. Um, and then we uh, obviously saw an increase in engagement or utilization from our existing population um, because patients had lots of questions about COVID. And if you think about it, uh, uh, you know, virtual care, a physician essentially puts a, puts a physician in the home of every family that's being directed to self-quarantine. Many of these who've you know, had a positive COVID test and they're told you know, they don't need admission, but they need to go home. And this allows patients to come in and ask a question at any time, 24-7. It could be a simple question or it could be a complex issue. Um, and so we saw an increase in engagement across multiple dimensions there. Um, fortunately, we, we actually started building a plan in December around surge planning, just with my background in, in, in pandemic response and disaster medicine. Um, we built a plan of how we would surge uh, our physician group. Um, and the reason is that you know we've taken that fundamentally different approach around our medical group from the beginning. when when I started, you know, really building out the medical group at 98.6, one of the things that was really important to me is that the physician would be involved in everything we do. So we made the decision very strategically early on that we would hire our physicians um, to be employees of 98.6. Um, so all of our physicians are employees pre-COVID, all of them were full-time. We would just add additional full-time physicians as needed. Um, they all have time devoted for non-clinical activities. So they're impacting a variety of other aspects of the organization. Um, and as it relates to COVID, what that allows us to understand is what's true surge. Um, you know, we were involved in conversations with the government around surge uh, in telemedicine related to COVID in the February, March timeframe. And one of the points that I felt was pretty strongly about was we need to understand what the country's surge capacity truly is. If there's 15 services describing the same position, or, or I should say attributing the same position to them, it's hard to say that that's true surge capacity. So to fully understand how many true individual doctors do you have, they can't work for a health system locum tenens for 10 different telemedicine companies, and they can't be counted at all those facets. So that allowed us to really understand what was, would be our surge capacity um, to address the increased engagement and population that we were dealing with. The other interesting thing related to this change in COVID was um, because we're you know, a technology company at our core, we were able to take our AI platform and then adjust certain variables to make sure that questions were asked that were specific to the CDC guidelines. So, you know, in, in January, when we started getting travel criteria for CDC reporting. We incorporated that into our AI tools. We actually had two cases in January that we referred on to the CDC or patients that we said, hey, we need to refer you to the CDC based on these criteria. 
Um, and that sort of um, agility has been important as guidelines change. I mean, for many of us physicians, this is sort of the biggest sort of novel infection that many of us have dealt with in our careers. And, and new data information, as you're well aware of, is coming out on a daily basis. So we have to be agile um, to adjust the AI and, and the physician workflows to make sure we're addressing those new needs or new, um, new requirements that the CDC or the WHO may be outlining. Interesting. How, how are you leveraging, so you, you mentioned AI, how are you leveraging the information that based on like uh, the patient doctor interaction, is, is that information you're leveraging and then putting it into the platform so that you're able to um, better diagnose? Like how, how are you, I guess, how are you using the AI? I mean, there's lots of different ways you could use it, right? Um, yep. I'd love to hear more about that, if you can. Sure, I'm happy to share some some aspects of what we're doing. As you can see, if you look at the video demonstration on the website, um, when you come into the clinic, you're immediately brought into the clinic and you begin talking with their automated assistant. What you'll notice about the features of that experience are you can put in anything you want. So, and in, in, in this gets a little into the weeds, but what we learned very early on is if you just build a um, sort of choose your own adventure expert system where only yes or no answers are allowed. Um, uh, that really limits the voice of the patient. It's not very authentic in the sense that it's not what a patient experiences when they go to a brick and mortar facility. The AI has to be deeply more invested in a true neural network that allows a variety of responses to come from the patients for it to be authentic and feel, uh, feel like the patient is being heard through their medical journey. So you, um, in the, in, you can come in and you can say a sentence, a word, a paragraph, submit a photo, and then the AI essentially starts to engage with the patient, asking a variety of questions and collecting more information. At some point, the, the AI decides it's the appropriate time to hand off to one of our board-certified U.S.-based physicians, and that's exactly what happens. 100% um, of the time, our uh, physicians then uh, take over the, uh, sort of enter the case and finish it out, diagnose, treat the patient, build it build whatever the follow-up care plan and may be. And um, that, uh, that connectivity between the AI and the physician is one of our focus areas. Um, certainly, the, you, um, you can see the, probably the, the benefit to, of using an AI tool to help collect information, but that's only one area where the um, AI can be leveraged. There are many aspects of the physician experience which can be improved um, through the leveraging technology, and that's very important for us. So in other words, we, we obviously look at um, patient-facing characteristics of satisfaction. An example, that would be like net promoter score, but we also built our own unique physician satisfaction metrics to make sure that, um, that the technology that physicians are using, one, they believe in, two, that, that makes their lives better. Um, driving the, the physicians back to what they love doing most, which is treating and caring for patients, not filling out notes in an uh, EMR, um, not, you know, fit, so really driving them back towards so the, the tasks that they're, they're trained to do at the top of their license, and then attempting to remove tasks that aren't necessarily things that a physician should necessarily have to do in the context of an encounter. Interesting. What, what would you say is some of the things we're heading into the second half of 2020? that you're most looking forward to with the organization? Only things that obviously you can share. I'm sure there's a lot of things you're excited about that have yet to be announced, but uh, what are some of those? 
Well, we have, um, I think the continued work that we've been doing in, in the lab space has been a really exciting uh, area for us. And, and, you know, back, back in 2017, uh, we were started ordering labs at scale. Um, and the reason was we knew that to be a true virtual care service, we needed to order labs and sort of attempt to understand and abate unnecessary brick and mortar visits that were only being done just to order labs. Um, that experience from that time was very relevant to uh, how we've addressed the COVID crisis as one example around PCR and antibody testing. Um, and those experiences we had over other kinds of labs allowed us to, to um, sort of incorporate in COVID testing into the care delivery platform that we're building. And, and I think we're, unfortunately, obviously, as you know, we're not out of the woods yet on this COVID crisis, pandemic crisis. And so providing uh, efficient knowledge, care, and also laboratory testing are going to be critical for patients, for employers that are attempting to get cohorts of, of workers back in the office. Um, and technology can really assist in all those dimensions to make the patient experience better. So I, um, I wouldn't use the word excited, but I think it's a critical area of work for us this year is to continue to drive forward to provide um, what the patients need. And obviously we didn't enter 2020 anticipating such a heavy focus for us around, you know, COVID-19, but no one, you know, did. And so we'll continue to make investments to uh, support our employer health plan contracts and our, and our, uh, and our patients that are coming in through our direct consumer offering as well. So that's one How area of, of, of interest. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, that's all. That's super exciting. Um, I, I would like to also know, you just mentioned this at the end of your statement. I would like to learn too, how big of a focus have you placed on working with employers? Because um, obviously you're both, right? You can you go direct to consumer and then you also work with the uh, large employers. Is that right? Yeah, we work with employers of all sizes. Um, and we've been doing that. That was our first area or, uh, we focused on after we did have a direct to consumer product. Um, we continue to keep that available in the app store. Um, then we moved into employers and, you know, we've had uh, a number of large employers, but we certainly work with employers of all size. Um, and those relationships can provide primary care support. Um, we've also worked with the large, large employers to help them in their return to work strategies since we have expertise around that. Um, but we moved into the health plans a number of years ago, uh, which was interesting. But if you think about our pillars of cost quality of access and system integration that resonates with health plans, make, it makes sense. So we, we accelerated into working with health plans, uh, have a relationships um, with a number. Um, the most, uh, the longest relationship we had is with Banner Aetna in the state of Arizona. It's been a great, great partnership. Um, so we certainly in that context, we've been working with health plans as well. We've had a great relationship with Sam's Club. They've been offering us as a uh, subscription uh, service um, two members of Sam's Club, and that's been a fantastic partnership with them. And then we also have some universities we've been working with, even providing 98.6 to their students. Interesting. That's an interesting approach. Um, yeah, that's uh, one of the things we, we had a guest on here recently that they really just placed that a total focus on just the, the students. What What is it? 
that's exciting to you about that space, working also directly with like the universities out there to provide care to the students, especially with everything going on with COVID, right? Now they're not at school. How, how does that work? I, I just, I'm curious. Yeah, it's a great question. I think pre-COVID, it was really exciting to work with universities to really provide services. And, you know, we're working with large, uh, some large and some small universities who have their own um, healthcare, you know, brick and mortar delivery system set up for student health. So we're, a lot of times we're augmenting, augmenting the services, giving them access. Uh, and, um, you know, there's, I'd say that, um, Engagement. It's interesting to look at engagement for that that age group in terms of their how they use the service, um, what kinds of um, you know diagnoses that they're utilizing the service for. In COVID, you're right. I mean, essentially, what what's ended up happening is everyone has um, gone home, and is is that it provides them access to primary care that you know many students don't have otherwise. It's a it's a for many students in the, in that transition phase of life, they don't have access to like their traditional pediatrician they may have had previously, and they probably haven't thought about getting a primary care doc as an adult yet. And so uh, 98.6 has really offered a, a true virtual primary care service to those individuals that it really comes to them on terms they understand. It's on demand. Our service is you know, truly like an on-demand primary care service. So it's with them all the time on their mobile phone, they can just press the app and immediately engage with the physician that they can trust. And that, that resonates with them. I mean, many other aspects of, of these students' lives around technology they use is, is really at that level of on-demand. So um, we, we think that providing healthcare similarly is something that resonates with that cohort and, and something they understand. Absolutely. Where can people learn more about the company? Yeah, I think 98point6.com is our website. Um, you can go on there to learn about uh, some of the work we're doing. Um, there's certainly articles linked to there that describe some of the, some of the projects we're working on. Um, I can see who we have, a, have a, I'm fortunate to have a very prolific, uh, you know, sort of medical advisory board group, which has been uh, really helpful at advising the organization on taking steps forward. And so that, that's some of those features are listed on the website and uh, contact information for further questions is available on there as well. I mean, and the apps themselves are available in the app store. So sometimes people ask me and I just encourage them to download the direct to consumer app. Um, and uh, it's a really relatively not, uh, you know, it's a fairly inexpensive uh, endeavor and, and it could give them direct access into the service. Perfect. And I'll throw all that as long as your social media links in the show notes for the audience to be able to easily click on. Great, thanks. Perfect. Well, thank you again for, for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Look forward to staying in touch and following the continued progress of 98.6. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is building the ecosystem of healthcare solutions and services to power the future of healthcare. Through Block Health, healthcare professionals and organizations can use their credentialing data for more. They can use the platform to store their credentialing and licensing related documents, fill out a smart common application that could be used to order multiple different services, 
like provider enrollment, state license registration, state license renewals, and much more. To learn more about Block Health, please go to www.blochealth.com. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcasts, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.